Please join me in prayer. I take this moment to center ourselves, ourselves in the divine oneness, knowing that each soul here today, each soul worldwide, springs from the one source, from the one oversoul that we call spirit, that we call God, that we call Allah, Abun. Goes by many, many names, but it is the one source of all creation. So we celebrate that source right here and now as we celebrate the creation of this beautiful summer morning, knowing that this is the day Spirit has made just for us. And so we celebrate it. We celebrate ourselves in it, blessed by the knowing that we are spiritual beings enjoying a human experience and that that keeps us connected with spirit, keeps us connected with creativity, keeps us connected with love, keeps us connected with wisdom and intelligence, joy, beauty, and truth. So we let that flow through us today as Reverend Diana speaks to us about spiritual law, knowing that as we open our hearts and our minds to that divine wisdom, that what we hear finds a correlate within us it resonates as true as spirit recognizes itself in the truth and as the truth. So I give thanks for each one here. I give thanks for this day. I give thanks for this beautiful Mystic Heart Spiritual Center that feeds our hearts and souls. And so with a grateful heart, I accept it all, knowing it's good and very good, as together we say, and so it is. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to our service this morning, our conscious conversation. It's great to have you here. My name is Reverend Diana Johnson. Most of you know, some of you might not. Um, I'm the pastor, spiritual director here at Mystic Heart. So I want to welcome you all here, home home to our community, and home to your own mystic heart. So feel free to join us if you'd like. We put lyrics on our screen. We start out with some music, some joining of voices together.
into that as we prepare for conversation. our prayers right now, our meditation, our service, our good intentions. The world is in transformation right now. And so filled with that joyful sense of celebration, with that vibration of joining our voices together, we begin each week by taking the energy within us settling into our chairs and preparing ourselves for the service by connecting with our global community. Connecting with and acknowledging our oneness with all of creation. Connecting and acknowledging our connection with the infinite intelligence that is back of everything. That infinite intelligence that I call God others call by many names, and envisioning a web of consciousness that encompasses and infuses the entire planet and everything on it. Feeling and knowing yourself as a brilliant point of light in, in that web of intelligence or consciousness. 
feeling that light shining within you, giving life to your body and your experience as a human being, divine human on this planet. Acknowledging that each and every person, everywhere with no exceptions, is that divine spark of light that radiates with the same spark that each of us does. Every creature beyond human beings, every plant, every tree, every grain of sand, every rock, all of it infused with divine intelligence and with the light of spirit. The soil that supports the food that supports our life the water that gives life to all things, expressions of the divine in form. So take a moment to feel how the light that you are radiates from you and is enmeshed with the light of all beings. both those that we would call living and those that we would call non-living, all truly alive with spirit, as spirit in form on this planet. And so feeling that deep connection with all that is, we intend and know that our time together this morning benefits the whole. We acknowledge our responsibility to one another as human beings, and we acknowledge our responsibility as caretakers of the earth. And engaged in cons conscious conversation, we listen for the answers this morning to this question. How can I make the best possible use of the universal principles that guide the universe? How can I make the best use of those principles that simply are, that simply exist? So no matter where we look to what cultures or times or religions that we're looking at, we find the same spiritual truths voiced in different languages. Some call these universal principles or laws or perennial wisdom. And so author Dan Millman in The Laws of Spirit said, all of the world's great teachings say that there is a divine will that transcends time, belief, and culture, revealing the universal laws that are the treasures of God. <clears throat> he goes on to say, Within the mystery of life, the universe operates according to laws as real as the law of gravity. Woven into the fabric of existence, reflecting the primal intelligence of the universe, these laws of spirit direct the mechanics of the universe. The movement of flowers reaching toward the sun and waves thundering to the shore. 
They govern the movement of the earth, the cycles of the seasons, and the forces of nature. To their songs, even the galaxies dance. The laws of spirit point to the innate order and intelligence of the universe. They transcend concepts, customs, and beliefs. They form the basis of all human morality. Constant as the movement of the planets, they apply not only to the mechanics of nature, but to every aspect of existence. They apply to every aspect of existence. That means that they're at work in our lives all the time, whether we know it or not, whether we like it or not. <laughs> they're impartial to our opinions about them. They just are. They're an aspect of God's working in the world. <clears throat> so inviting you into some conversation here, what are some of the spiritual laws that we're aware of? Reaping and sowing. Reaping and sowing. Okay. So as you give, so shall you receive. Reaping, sowing, planting, harvesting. Cycles of light and dark. Okay. Cycles of light and dark. And we can look at that in the physical world. We can look at that in our psychological and emotional states. We go through cycles. Anything else come to mind? Laws of growth and evolution. Okay, laws of growth and evolution. Balance. Balance. What about faith? Any laws surrounding faith? God is ever present whether I remember it or not. Okay, God is ever present whether I remember it or not. The law of faith has been stated something like, that which I place my faith in is more likely to come into my experience. It's done unto you as you believe. Done unto you as you believe. Therefore it is a choice. Therefore it is a choice. That is correct. With faith, it's interesting because people tend to think of either I have faith or I don't have faith or I have a little bit of faith or I have a lot of faith. But really, we, I believe, all have 100% faith. We just have faith in different things. We have faith in the overpowering goodness of the universe and all unfolding toward the good always. Or we have faith in if it can go wrong, it will go wrong. And there's two extremes, right? We place our faith in different things, but we all have faith. And that's where the choice comes in. Because we might have patterns and habits and tendencies from our past that pull us toward the Murphy's Law end of things. But we have the choice through spiritual practice, repetitive practice of thought, to change those patterns if we choose to. 
So we can change where we're placing our faith. What about the law of expectation? It's kind of related to faith a little bit. It takes a deep faith to expect it to happen. Okay, so it takes a deep faith to expect something to happen. What I expect to see is what I'm likely to see. And that comes down to simple things. A short little bit of a story I've, I've told before. Uh, a man moves to town. He gets on the local city bus. He sits down next to, a, a, I don't know, a priest, a, a reverend, someone with a collar. So he acknowledges, sits down. And he says, Father, how do you find the people in this town? I'm just moving here. How do you, how are the people? Are they kind? Are they friendly? Are they, what are they? And the father says, well, what were the people like in the town you just moved from? He said, oh, they were awful. They were mean. They were nasty. They were violent. And the father said, well, I think you'll find that the people here are mean, nasty, and violent. Just pointing to what we expect to see is what we're going to see. What about the law of action? What is that? Any thoughts about the law of action? Treat, move your feet. <laughs> treat, move your feet. Pray and move your feet, as the Quakers said. Or treat and move your feet, as the metaphysicians stole it. That's okay. <laughs> it works. <laughs> so we, we pray. We sit in meditation, we study, we do sacred service, we do whatever spiritual practices we're called to that are our internal moving within practices. And then we listen for guidance as to what is mine to do in moving forward. And then we get up off of the cushion or the chair and we go do it. The law of action says nothing changes or happens without action. So, oh, cycles, we talked about cycles, how things happen in cycles. The waxing and waning of the moon, the ebbing and flowing of the tides. So it's helpful to understand these laws. Why? Why is it helpful? So we don't plant corn in December. So we don't plant corn in December. <laughs> yeah. Well, also I think, <clears throat> It's important to um, be able to reflect on something that's happening in your life and to um, kind of flesh it out and figure out why it's what, what's going on there. Right. Okay. So when you look at things happening in your life, you can reflect. You can go inward and look for where you know. It's not that everything that happens to us and around us in our lives. I, I don't believe that, you know, well, what did you do to create that? Well, we're one piece in the creation of that. But we can reflect on our piece. You know, how am I allowing this? How am I maybe attracting it, maybe allowing it, maybe promoting it? There are different things that we can do. And then, more importantly, what can I do to shift what's happening to something that I would prefer to see happening in my life? Or at least 
say going forward that I understand that that's what's happening. Right. And then instead of maybe not necessarily turning around from that, but at least kind of pu pushing it down and not right. allowing that, not to happen that way anymore. Yeah, so putting, calling a stop to it at some point and having a different experience and knowing why that that happened. Nice. So I've heard it said that love and law are like, you could look at them like the two arms of the loving arms of God. God's love is always present. Love is always unfolding. New thought and ancient wisdoms define love as the forever givingness of the one, whatever you call the one. That source is forever giving of itself as creation. That's a new thought or ancient wisdom's definition of love. So that forever givingness, that grace that's always flowing is the one aspect, and then the law is really understanding the mechanics of how that love is offered forth and how it affects us. So if we don't understand how this stuff works, then what happens? Or has the potential of happening? Life is very chaotic. <laughs> Our life can be very chaotic. And we don't understand why. Why me? Why me? Okay. Consequences of going against that flow have the opportunity now to instruct us. And that can be unpleasant sometimes. Today I want to look at four spiritual laws that are relevant and useful in our daily lives so we can put them to more effective use if we choose to. The first of those laws is the law of balance or finding the middle way. What do we know about this law? What do you already know about the law of balance or middle way? Finding it makes it easier. Okay, so finding that balance makes life easier. Yes. Okay. I think nature tries to, is always trying to come back into balance. Okay, so we look at nature. Nature is always trying to come back into balance. Even to the degree that we build a cement parking lot in a high rise, and then if we abandon it and let it go, the earth comes back and takes it back over time. Brings that sense of balance back all on its own. I think in a lot of aspects of life, extremes uh, don't work. Okay, so extremes just don't work. You swing way out to one end, and what's bound to happen? You're going to tip the boat over. <laughs> tip the boat over, or you're going to swing back just as far the other direction. And neither extreme is going to work well in your life. Millman says, if gravity is the glue that holds the universe together, balance is the key that unlocks its secrets. Balance applies to the body, mind, and emotions, to all levels of our being. <coughs> it reminds us that anything we do, we can overdo or underdo. And if the pendulum of our lives or our habits swings too far to one side, it will inevitably swing to the other. And outside of his quote, just as far to the other. So as much energy that's gone into one extreme, it's going to move the other direction. 
The Buddhists have been teaching this as their primary teaching for thousands of years, the middle way. We're creatures of moderation. We're built that way. Have you ever thought about that? That we can swim, but not as well as a fish, or a shark, or a whale, or any number of other creatures. We can run, but not as fast or as gracefully as a cheetah. We can lift, but not nearly as much weight as a gorilla. We have all these abilities, but we have them in moderation. We have them in balance with other qualities that we have. The human body yearns for and thrives in a state of inner balance, inner peace. So let's take a moment to get really peaceful. Just a moment. Close your eyes if you're not already there. Let all that's happened today fall into the background. Just let it go for a moment. Let go of anything yet to be. And just allow your body to settle and relax deeply into your chair. As you bring your full attention for a moment to your breath. Allow yourself to be fully present with the natural flow of your breathing. And now without moving or tensing any part of your body, gently open your eyes and simply observe the space around you. How does that feel? Are you even just a little more peaceful than you were a few moments ago? And if so, does your body like that feeling? When we practice stillness, even for just a few seconds or a few minutes at a time, it gives us a reference point. What do I mean by a reference point? A place of inner peace. Okay, a place of inner peace. A focal point. A focal point. Not like a skater or a ballerina. Okay. So like a skater or a ballerina coming back to focus. So it's something that allows us to have a reference to go back to. If we're feeling anxious for some reason, something's come up and it's got our fight or flight or going on or freeze going on, we can think back to that moment that we've consciously become peaceful And we can purposely go back there. It's our reference point to go back to.
So when you know what deep peace feels like, it's easier to notice when that feeling isn't there. Right? You know when it's not there. You have a memory of what peace feels like, and you can simply return. And I know that people tell me all the time it isn't that easy. That's your resistance. That's coming up for any number of reasons. But it's not possible that, I mean, it's not true that you can't go back there. You need to be willing to go back there, to put down the anxiety or the fear or the whatever it is. But it isn't true that you can't go back there if you know what that feels like. This is one of the benefits of meditation. It gives you practice in finding the still place on a regular basis. So <clears throat> balance begins with the breath, taking it in and letting it go. Those are the primal rhythms that run through our body, some of the primal rhythms. You are literally inspired, breathed in of spirit when you breathe in. And then you are releasing the breath of spirit back out in equal measure. That's your balance. You know, we even practice balance when we're walking, right? Walking is just the practice of losing and regaining balance over and over and over and over. When we lean forward, we're losing our balance. And if we don't catch ourselves, you know, I've done it. <laughs> So you lose your balance, you catch your balance, you lose your balance, you catch your balance. It's, it's We're creatures of balance. So what happens when we, in life, in any way, give more than we receive? We run out of gas. We run out of gas. We feel depleted. We get overwhelmed, overworked, mentally, physically, emotionally, financially in whatever way. So it's simple. It's a very simple um, idea, but not always easy for us to create the balance because many of us have gotten accustomed to physical and emotional tension as a way of life. It's a societal thing, at least here in the United States and in some other countries. It's become part of our family lives in so many cases. It's in our work lives. We get used to being tense. And then we don't think we know how to let that go. So how do we retrain ourselves? How do we create a new normal? If normal for us is tense and anxious all the time, or worried, and how do we retrain that? First, you have to admit that you're tense and out of balance. First, you have to admit that that's what's going on. Because until you do that, you can't balance. Right. Until you can acknowledge that you're out of balance and willing to acknowledge and admit that, you can't make any changes. Then what? Make time to do your spiritual practices. Make time to do your practices. Yeah. And those can be your spiritual sitting practices in addition doing something for your body, because you can't forget the body. It's body, mind, spirit. Is, it's all one. It's not a separate thing. So do you take walks? Do you give your body some stretching, some yoga, some exercises, some 
Whatever it is that you choose to do for your body, do you do that on a regular basis? That helps with the balance as well. Being present. Being present. That's, in a couple minutes, we're going to talk about that as a law. <laughs> as a law. Law of presence. So I've heard it said that you cannot stay clean on yesterday's shower. <laughs> right? That's a good way to put it. It's true. So what makes us think that if we engage in our practice one day out of the week, we're going to stay spiritually, emotionally, psychologically clean the rest of the time? It takes a regularity of practice, a willingness to do whatever it is we choose to do on a regular basis. Even if it's just one minute at a time. I mean, is, is that true? Am I right? I mean, even if it's at the grocery store line and you s start by just taking a breath as you're waiting for that very slow clerk with the very full cart of groceries, you can stand and meditate or just become peaceful or breathe or offer blessings silently. There's so many things that you can do with those little moments. Listen to your body, paying attention to whatever tension is present. So we have indicators sometimes that we might be in excess. Maybe we're eating too much, drinking too much, sleeping too much. I haven't known that one yet. <laughs> I would invite that one for a while. Uh, exercising too much, working too much, talking too much. Too much outside stimulation. TV, radio, music, even if it's positive stuff. When it never stops and you never know the silence, that creates an imbalance. Okay, so we're going to leave balance now and go on to the second one. The law of choice, because this ties, they all tie together. The law of choice, what is the law of choice? We talked a little bit about choice, that, that faith is a choice. Each moment is a choice point. Okay, every moment is a choice point. So, do we always have a choice about everything that's happening? around us? We may not have a choice of how it unfolds, but we have a choice of how we look at it okay. and how we deal with it. All right. So we don't have a choice about everything that, you know, I don't believe that if it's right in front of me, I caused it. I believe that I'm there for a reason. There for a reason, and there's something in it for me. If it's before me, it's for me. But I don't necessarily believe that I caused it because I'm creating with everybody else that's there. We're all, nobody creates in a vacuum. So the point of choice is about how we take it in, how we deal with it, how we perceive it, how we experience it. We always have a choice about that. How we respond. How we respond. Do we respond or do we react? 
So our future is determined. Oh, this is a Dan Millman quote again. We're both burdened and blessed by the great responsibility of free will. <laughs> the power of choice. Our future is determined in large part by the choices we make now. We cannot always control our circumstances, but we can and do choose our response to whatever arises. Reclaiming the power of choice, we find the courage to live fully in the world. That's the end of his quote. Some things I wanted to consider about choice. We can never be certain where our chosen path will lead. We choose a path, we don't know where it's going to end up. Yet we must make a choice. And remember that not consciously choosing is also a choice. You're still making a choice if you don't choose. Decisions are not made with words, but with actions. It's what we do in the world that reflects our true choices. We can talk all day long about the choices we're making, how we're being new and different and changed. And if our actions don't line up with that, that's not our true choice. The third thing, our human destiny is determined in large part by the choices we make. Pretty simple. We, the fourth, we can study, observe, and come to understand the workings of spiritual truths and allow them to guide us gracefully. Or we can let impulses, fears, and habits run the show. Either way, it's a foolproof system. Whatever consequence we experience will serve to guide us back onto the path sooner or later. The guidance can be rough and difficult and painful. The guidance can also be graceful and easy and surrendering and allowing. That's where our choice and how we experience things comes in. Like a guardrail might total your car, but it'll keep you from going off the Right, <laughs> okay. It's like a guardrail. It might total your car, but it keeps you from going over the edge. <laughs> That's good. Even when fate or the choices of others appear to be running the show, we choose our internal experience. Will we react or will we respond? Will we resist or resent? Or will we accept and allow? Will we face and embrace? All of that's a choice. Perspective. Perspective. It's so important. Mm -hmm. That's just pointed out here. Yes. Can it be creative? Can your perspective, your perspective is creative, always. It's just what is it creating? It's, perspective is always creative, yeah. But you're wanting to create purposefully the beautiful things in your life that you'd love to experience. So sometimes perspectives need to be shifted. Beliefs need to be shifted. It is important to reclaim our power to choose. What do I mean by that? Reclaiming your power to choose. Is there anyone in this room that's ever said, oh, I have to go to work tomorrow. I have to go grocery shopping this afternoon. I have to pick up the kids at school. 
have to take the dog to the vet? No, you don't really have to. It's okay. a choice. <laughs> but do you say, I choose? No. <laughs> I choose to take the dog to the vet today. I choose to go grocery shopping. It's a whole different experience. It's a different energy. I choose to go to work at my current job because it serves my life in some way. There are reasons that I do it, and it's a choice I'm making, not I have to. I choose to eat wholesome food most of the time because my body feels better when I do and stays healthier. I'm making a choice. I choose to pick up the kids from school because I love them. And I don't want them to disappear. I choose to take my dog to the groomer because he does so much better when his nails are not an inch long. <laughs> and I love him. I choose to write my paper for school or my service for Sunday because it furthers my learning and my growing. It furthers my understanding and it serves my future goals. So for each of us, we can say that. I choose to clean my house. Uh-oh, choose to clean your house. Because I feel better when my surroundings are organized and clean. Or I choose to take a nap this afternoon. The housework will be there tomorrow. So can we remember to call that choice to the forefront when we're making a choice? That's reclaiming our power to choose. Are there places in your life you hear yourself saying, I have to do, I have to do? I have to mow the lawn today. <laughs> I have to weed the garden. I don't have to have a garden much less weeded. Have to feed the chickens. Have to feed the chickens. <laughs> this tiny change, it might seem petty and it might seem tiny, but it's really not. Try, try it. Try looking for hearing yourself, catching yourself. Anytime you say, I have to, what follows that? And then look for why are you making that choice? How is it serving you? How is it serving you in your life? And if it isn't serving you, maybe it's not something that you need to be choosing. Conscious choice means weighing your options and intentionally deciding on one thing over all the others, and then claiming that choice, standing in the choice. And the more you do this, the more your life takes on a clear intention. You have a real intentionality about your life and how it unfolds. Okay, so on to the next law. The law of process. What is the law of process? <laughs> See, I'm picking one so we don't talk about it all the time. Things unfold in an orderly way. Okay, so things unfold in an orderly way. still with perspective and I, I want to use the word safety because I remember when I learned to drive when I looked right in front of the car I wove all over the road and when I looked way down the road and saw where the center was mm -hmm. suddenly 
I was stable and I knew I was safe. Okay, so let's take that example back to the law of process. Learning to drive is a process. So how is there a, some kind of a law involved in, say, you're going to learn to drive? What's the first thing that you do if you're going to learn to drive? Respect your, your, your vehicle and everything okay. in the way, yes. You need a car. Okay, you need a car. <laughs> Ask someone to teach you. Ask someone to teach you. Put your seatbelt on. And before all of that, make a decision. Make a decision. Set an intention. Set a goal. I'm going to learn to drive. Then I need a car, <laughs> so I have something to drive. And then I need to learn respect for that vehicle and all that it's capable of, learn how to operate. So this is the law of process. Things unfold as an orderly process. And if we don't take what we are setting about to do in our lives and acknowledge that there is a process and follow that process, we can make this learning or whatever it is we're setting as a goal, we can make it more difficult on ourselves. So learning to acknowledge that everything in life has a process. There's another thing about perspective, and, and that is <clears throat> that you can do this for your benefit and those around you, mm -hmm. or you can uh, use safety as an opportunity to feel fear and to feel uh, hurt and imagine those things. Mm -hmm. And if they take you over, right. well, then it no longer is creative, it's mm -hmm. destructive. So you can wind that that, that law of choice into this process as you're learning to drive you can choose to be settled in fear or you can choose to be settled in goodness and what's unfolding gracefully and for the good of all beings and that's a choice of how you can use this law of process yeah So Dan Millman says, process transforms our journey into a series of small steps taken one by one to reach any goal. Process transcends time. It teaches patience. It rests on a solid foundation of careful preparation and embodies trust in our unfolding potential. Is anybody in the room involved in some kind of a process? right now in their lives? <laughs> Who isn't? Always. Who isn't? Right. So the law of process ensures that we can achieve nearly any goal that we set out on, no matter how lofty it is, by breaking it in to small enough pieces and taking one step at a time. And we just already talked about what's the first step. Well, you have to set the intention. You have to make the decision. And in doing that, I don't know, I suggest that we move toward what attracts you, what excites you, what lights you up, what inspires you, what speaks to your heart. Because if things don't inspire you and speak to your heart, what are you doing setting that as a goal to begin with? Mm -hmm. I mean, there are times that 
because they serve us in some particular way, we make the choice to do something that isn't as inspiring as other things might be. Not saying that never happens. Yes? What that brings up for me is the recognition that there are ways that we are unconsciously, every one of us, mm -hmm. stuck in patterns right. that we don't realize get in the way and make us, um, allow us to, to make choices that aren't necessarily for our highest. Right. And that it's essential to, to become aware of that. Yes. And understand that within the process of our lives mm -hmm. to see. And if we don't, we just keep right. eating. And Digging that rut deeper. Essential. <laughs> because we all want the best. Right. Everybody on some level is unconsciously stuck in a pattern that they don't see. Right. And seeing it to me feels like the most important. Yes. To, and it's specific and unique to each individual. It's not generic. Right, right. Yeah. And I think that the two, for me, the two most powerful ways of bringing those sub unconscious things to light, the first is through my spiritual practice. Because mm, it can bubble up for you just in you sitting in the silence and asking, why do I keep finding myself in this same spot? What is it that needs to happen or that, that I need to be aware of? And those answers come. Exactly. And then the second way is being in community with other people. Because other people are reflections for us. Who are the people that are in front of us? If I look at someone that I love very much, care deeply about, and I have the thought, God, why do they keep doing that? I'm wise if I point back to myself for a bit and say, what is this showing me? Not. Not can I stand here and pick apart why is this person, you know, what is this? It's before me. What is for me? Mm -hmm. So people can be powerful reflections and being in community, especially safe community where you feel accepted, welcomed, uh, spiritual community where you have a common way of a common language, a common way of communicating, it can be very empowering to bring those patterns up so that we can let them go, resolve them, change them. Thank you for that. That's very empowering. So one sh another short quote that comes from this book. He says, people rarely ever fail. They only stop trying. Hmm. Just something to, to hang on to, to take into contemplation. <laughs> so what is required if we're going to not stop trying? Something we really want, rather than saying, oh, it failed. I'm just not going to do that anymore. Courage. Courage. We have to really want it. We have to really want it. Patience. Patience. Persistence. Persistence. Often we need an ally. An ally. Yeah, it's easier to do that when you've got some support than on your own. What about consistency? Mm. Consistency is so important. <clears throat> Which means remembering the goal. Right. Remember holding your yeah, holding, eye on the prize. Right. <laughs> holding your eye on the prize. Keeping the goal in mind. Mm -hmm. 
What is persistence? We use that word a lot. What is that? What's it? What does it mean to be persistent? Never giving up. Never giving up. Stubbornness in service to your goal. Stubbornness in <laughs> service to your goal. Fortitude. Fortitude. So does it take discipline to have persistence? Yes. 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 And does it take patience to have persistence? Yes. Yeah. You might even say that if you link up discipline and patience, that's, that's persistence pretty much. And also remember that your level of enthusiasm about your goal plays a really important role. And that's where the courage and the confidence comes in. Where the courage and the confidence comes in. I also see for me it's about being kind to myself. Yes. Because life can take, I can have a goal and want to be doing something and do, but life also can take me in directions where it's like I have to spend time doing this right. and this to get there. And rather than judging myself, like, oh, you're not. Right. Also, hold the goal, but remember that I have to be kind to that as I come back to that. Yes. Not beat myself up. And that's a big one for me to yeah. really be kind and go, you're returning. It's okay. Right. Don't make yourself wrong for. Yes. It's a real subtle one for me. Yeah. And I have to be careful with it. So being, I, myself as well, and mm -hmm. I know others probably in this room, might have the same issues mm -hmm. going on. Kind to ourselves, gentle with ourselves, caring with ourselves, and remembering as we're going this way and that way to come back around the law of process. It's not judgment. We don't need to judge ourselves for wandering this way and that. We need to remember that this way and that is part of our process unfolding. Mm -hmm. And that it's absolutely perfect just the way it's unfolding. The path is hardly ever straight. That's right. The path is hardly ever straight. <laughs> True. Be boring if it was. <laughs> You're very boring if it was. And you need to take the next step. Yes, you need to take the next step for so sure. You have to have confidence that it'd be okay mm -hmm. to take that step. It's better than not stepping at all. Right, and that's part of being kind to yourself. You know, knowing that it's okay, telling yourself it's okay. That's one way of being kind to yourself. Yeah. So now we're going to end up where, with what Mark brought up, presence, the law of presence. Any idea what the law of presence is? They don't talk about these too often. Be so, here now. Be here now. There we go, in three words. Melman says, time is a paradox, stretching between a past and a future that have no reality except in our own minds. Can you say that again? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Slowly. Time is a paradox, stretching between a past and future that have no reality except in our own minds. The idea of time is a convention of thought and language, a social agreement. Here is the deeper truth, he states. We only have this moment. So say that I'm, for whatever reason, living in regret of something. 
Am I living in the past, the present, or the future? Past. In the past. So I'm reminiscing about the good old days. <laughs> More positive use of it, I suppose. Am I in the past, the present, or the future? The past. The past. I'm worrying. Past, <laughs> present, or future? Future. Thinking about what might happen if I retire. Future. Future. I'm obsessing over every detail of an upcoming trip that I'm really looking forward to. Future. Future. I'm planning for my retirement. Future. Potentially future. And present. Potentially present. How does it become, how does it move out of future and into present? Focused on the planning process. Okay, so based on the planning process. So what I'm saying is not that we don't plan for our vacations or our futures or our retirement or our next move. It's that when we're planning, we're consciously in the here and now moment planning on purpose. And when that planning session is done, we close it up, we set it aside till the next planning session and move into the next moment. What's necessary for now? What's necessary for now? And if in the now it feels necessary to plan for something, then we do it consciously and by choice. It's not an obsessive mind chatter. It's not a worrying. We're also feeling in the present moment mm -hmm. the thoughts about future and making those decisions. So we're feeling <coughs> present. Right. We're in the present, like checking in with our gut feeling or intuition about what choice to go in the future. Right. But it's a present experience. Yes. Of that choice. So the body plays a large part of presence. Absolutely. Yeah, we're feeling present mm -hmm. right here, right now. And while we're stuck in the past or the future, what happens is that the present becomes the past, moment by moment, and we miss it. <laughs> it's like, there it goes. Our lives happen in the present. Every moment is now. Every experience happens in the now. So that's the law of presence. And we because I'm doing conversational style sometimes I pause because I get to something that I was going to bring up if it didn't arise on its own, and it did, so I'm passing some things up. <laughs> so as I am present, I'm careful to be fully present in the here and now. Then I can let that moment go, that process go, until the next time I choose to be present with it, with it if it's a planning activity. Whatever the next step is, I take it in the now consciously toward whatever goal I have. In order to have presence, you have to be present, which means remembering where you are and when you are. So where are you? Here. Here. And when are you? Now. 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 That's it, ever. <laughs> where are you? Here. When are you now? Who are you? Presence. So 
So if you can remember where you are and when you are, then you can remember who you are. It seems so simple, so obvious, not always easy to remember. We tend to think of laws as being human-made, but human laws are actually simply just rules of conduct, societal norms that we agree to live by. Science defines law as a statement based on repeated experiments or observations which describes the consistency of a range of natural phenomena. It's the divine order of the universe. Laws don't explain why things unfold like they do. They just describe the process. We can never know why the infinite intelligence of the universe does what it does, but we can discover how spiritual laws work. We can find the connections between causes and effects, and we can learn to cooperate with these laws. There's nothing supernatural about prayer. Prayer is not about God suspending natural law on our behalf. It's not a divine intervention from outside of ourselves changing the cosmic order. The purpose of prayer is to align our hearts and minds with universal law. And in that alignment, we allow spirit to bring forth the good that it is already giving us. Spiritual law tends toward balance, toward equilibrium. That balance can only be experienced in the here and now, in the present moment. If we are out of balance, nature nudges us back toward alignment. We may resist the process, but not successfully. Choosing to follow this guidance enhances our spiritual growth and evolution. I invite you to ponder these questions in our silent time together. How much time do I spend thinking about past events and situations? How often do I worry about the future? Am I waiting for some future event to make me happy or feel fulfilled? Where is my life not in balance right now? What processes is spirit unfolding in my life experience in order to get me back on track? As we listen in the sacred silence, let us consciously choose to follow the divine guidance we are given.
grateful for the music that directs our awareness back into the present moment. We sense the divine presence within us and all around us, embracing us, guiding us, supporting us, gently bringing us back into alignment with our highest good, our true divine nature. Thank you, God, for everything and everyone. I invite you to know with me now that spirit is moving powerfully through each of us and through our beloved community. Individually and collectively, we are a powerful spiritual influence on our world. As we evolve in consciousness, the benefits of our growth ripple out, blessing the entire world. open and receptive to Reverend Diana's continuing message today, we realize that our divine guidance comes from within us and from all around us. The universe always gives us all that we need to live, grow, and prosper. It's the law. So we did most of our conversing before the meditation today. But I have one last question that maybe you're asking yourself, or maybe you will ask yourself down the road. How do I stay present? So what if we begin by just trusting and knowing that there is a law of presence? alive and well. And that law is working through everything, which means it's within you and already working through you. And what about setting an intention that any time you notice yourself, your mind wandering to the past or the future, you just bring it back to now. And you can use your body in that process. Bring your, your your mind back to the presence and the awareness of your body, how you're feeling in space. Remaining aware of where you are and when you are. So maybe you make a practice of asking yourself periodically through the day, where am I here? When am I now? No matter how seemingly real or compelling your thoughts may be, says again Millman, you can always call upon the law of presence, reminding yourself that only now exists, that only now is real. If you do so as an act of reverence, making the moment sacred, you bow to the quiet self within that knows and all is well. So I've noticed, I don't know if you've noticed this too, that when I remain present in the here and now, in the moment, time seems to slow down. My days feel like full days, and my weeks feel like full weeks, instead of, whoo, where did that go? <coughs> It's that presence that brings everything into a balanced, harmonious pacing and state. 
So embracing this moment, putting one foot in front of the other, and handling what's in front of us. I ask this often, what is mine to do today? What is mine to do today? What is mine to do in this moment? Because no matter where your mind may roam, your body always remains in the here and now. When hurry sets in, just rest in the present for a moment. Hi, River. Come on in. So whenever that happens, just take a breath. Come back to the here and now. So right now we're going to anchor ourselves in short prayer as we close up for today. Knowing that there is one source of all of life, and I call that one God, I call it spirit, universe, infinite intelligence, infinite possibility, field of awareness. It doesn't really matter what I call it. It matters that I call it, that I acknowledge it, that I know that it is the life, giving life to all of creation. And knowing that that is so, I acknowledge that it is what I am, and it is the truth of every one of us. We are perfect and intentional expressions of the divine, acting as the hands and feet and voices and hearts of God on this planet in service to the one divine presence as we serve the material world, the people, the creatures, the plants, the earth itself. And as spirit in form, here is what I know. I know that all is always unfolding for my highest good and for the highest good of the whole. I know that it may not look that way, that appearances can be deceiving, but I use my power of choice to bring myself back to the here and to the now and to the claiming that all is truly well, knowing that as Everything and everyone is evolving. This must be true. Evolution cannot happen if all is not unfolding to the higher, the more conscious, the more complex, and the more unified. So I can place my, my complete faith in the loving and lawful presence of a divinity, of a power so vast and I can claim and know the part of that power that is mine to use in the world, and I can use it consciously. And so I do. And as each one of us attends to the here and now, we're doing our part to create a love-soaked world. Together we envision a world in which we're called to a higher state of awareness, a higher state of action, individually and collectively. A world where every being discovers and lives from their authenticity and their spiritual authority. We envision a world where personal responsibility joins with social conscience in every area of society. A world that is peaceful and joyful and abundant 
and free. Where all humans practice loving kindness and care for our planet with respect and intention. We envision a world where all needs are met, where all beings have plenty of nourishing food and the safety of a warm and comfortable home, where all beings have medical care and education and healthy relationships and right livelihood and creative contribution and a deep sense of belonging and purpose. A world in which every being is valued for its inherent goodness and light. Where the peace we cultivate within shows up as a world free of hatred or violence. We feel and know a world without greed, where there's absolute abundance in simply having enough. Where every being, as a precious creation of God, is deserving of all of the blessings that life has to offer. And every being receives those blessings willingly and gratefully. With humanity serving as the vessels through which spirit does its work, there is no reason we cannot have such a world. And so we know that it is taking form right here in this moment of now as we speak our powerful word and share in this powerful vision. As we place our faith in the infallible givingness of our source and we offer this heartfelt vision, the world is changed right here and right now in this instant, and I give thanks that this is so. We are living as the authentic divine humans that we were put here to be, and in our authenticity, we are absolutely free. I'm deeply grateful for all who are joining in community today, whether in this space or online, and for the commitment to spiritual growth and evolution that every person here brings. I'm grateful for how far we've come and for the many ways that we serve our greater community. I'm grateful for the growth, growth that we are experiencing as a spiritual community, even as the summer takes us in our many directions. As we grow, so may we serve more and more people and in greater and greater capacities. And so completing this prayer now, knowing the power of my word is absolute, I release the prayer. I release the word to the loving and powerful presence that I call God with complete faith in its immediate action. There is nothing more for me to do and so we just allow it to unfold as spoken, as together we say. And so it is. Amen. And you can always feel free to get up and move.
go. Bringing it into the, uh, the mainstream. You can stay on your feet. We're just going to do a quick blessing for our offering. We offer an opportunity every week uh, for you to share of your financial good and support of the work that we're doing in the world if you choose to. If you are online with us, you can go to our website, mysticheart.org, and find our donate button or our new P.O. Box address. And we have on the screen for you an affirmation that we use to help uh, demonstrate our gratitude and to call uh, to our awareness how beautiful the gifts are that we do receive. As I awaken to the God within me and all around me, I see abundance everywhere I look. I consciously step into that flow of abundance through this act of giving. I offer this gift freely in the spirit of love, blessing and sending it forth to heal and prosper. It is evidence of my deep faith. It does good work in the world and blesses all of creation. I give from a consciousness of abundance. So it is. Amen. And so because we only had a few folks here last week with the holiday, I'm repeating a song during our offering so that you can look at all of the words that go with our opening chant. And because I like to dance to this song. <laughs>
always watching. Oh, and so it is with love that we receive these gifts, knowing they come from the one source, Spirit, God, but that they come through human hearts, human hands, human pockets. So we give thanks for each human expression of Spirit that has shown up here today to contribute, not just monetarily, but to contribute love emotional support to contribute to the evolution of the human race on this planet, knowing that we are moving into a more spiritual world and that these gifts help make that happen. So with a grateful heart, we receive these gifts and we simply say thank you God, thank you each one, and so it is. So it is. Amen. Let's find you everywhere. 